0: TheYeshiva.net Today's class is dedicated by a very dear friend, Reisel Rubin, Marsha Rubin, in memory, loving memory of her son, Marsha Yitzchak, Ben Yibadah Lechaim Tevim Va'aruchem Reb whose yard site was Vav Tevis, the sixth day of Tevis, Tehei Nishmasai Ha'itzurah, may his soul be bound up in the eternal bond of life and may Mashiach continue to serve as an eternal source of light, love inspiration and blessing for you, for his mother for his father, for all of his loved ones, the entire family the entire community all of us, all of the Jewish people and the world and thank you so so much for your generosity and your ongoing friendship and partnership. We're going to begin today a meimer, a new meimer, a new discourse by the Alter-Rebbe, the Balatanya, Rabbi Shnei Zaman of Liadi. He said it on Shvuaz Tav Samaché. That's the holiday of Shvuaz when we celebrate the giving of the Torah, the year 1805. It's published in Torah-er, Parshas Yisroy. This week's parsha, parsha Yisra, of course, because parsha Yisra is the portion of the giving of the Torah at Sinai, and that's what we celebrate on Shavuos. So the Alter Rebbe said this discourse on Shavuos from the verses of this week's portion, which are also read on Shavuos. He focuses on one aspect, which seems not very significant and not very essential to the whole experience at Sinai and yet the Torah makes explicit mention of it, which means somehow it was very essential. And that becomes the focus of the Maimer. So let's begin inside, and we will try to open ourselves up to the inner world that the Alter Rebbe takes us on a journey into. He begins with the verse, This is Parshas Yisrael Perik Chav Pasuk Tesvav. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. It's the seventh section of the Parsha. After God reveals himself on the mountain, communicates the Ten Commandments to the Israelites, the Torah says, and we read, and this is the opening of this Maimar. The entire nation saw the thunder and the flames and the sound of the Shafer. Etcetera, the verse continues, they also saw the smoking mountain. The people saw, they trembled, they stood from afar. They said to Moshe, You speak to us. We're afraid God to speak to us because we might die. And Moshe calms them down and tells them not to be afraid. But it opens up how all the people see the thunder. That's kailas They see the the lapidum, the flames or the lightning. And they see the voice of the Shaifer. Lahavin <speaking> <Hebrew> to understand, Lama Haya Kail ha Ba Matan What was the purpose of the sound of the Shaifer, which usually we translate as a ram's horn, what we use on Rosh Hashanah? What was the purpose? Why was there necessary to be a shofar Ba it already says it earlier, earlier in Perik Yutes Pasuk Tes Zayin. The Pasuk says that on the third day after their preparations in the morning, there was thunder and brachim and lightning, of Alahar and a heavy cloud on the mountain, Shofar and the sound of the shofar was extremely powerful. And the whole nation trembled. The entire people that was in the camp, they shuddered. A few verses later, this is chapter 19, verse 19 Yates. The sound of the shofer grew continuously, stronger and stronger Moshe would speak, and Hashem responded to him with a voice. So not once, not two times, three times. If I'm not mistaken, the Torah mentions the shofar instrument as an accompaniment to the experience at Sinai. Asks the Alter Rebbe, LaHavin, LaHavin, Lama haYakel laShofar b'Matnatayda. What was the point of the Kaila <coughs> laShofar of the sound of the Shofar <coughs> b'Matnatayda? What's the problem? shir <coughs> Was this a moment that required musical instruments? Furthermore, <laughs> If you already want the musical instruments, is there no better, more suitable, more superior musical instrument? So two questions. First of all, where does the shofar come in here? So it wasn't a, a concerto. Why was there a need for any musical instrument, whether it would have been a shofar, or a cello, or a drum, or a trumpet, trumpet or a harp, or a lyre, or any other musical instrument, the piano? If you want to say, for whatever reason, that they Hashem did want a musical instrument, so uh, the middle Rebbe. You know, this maimer, I told you a few times, al Altarebbe would write a maimer. al Altarebbe would say his discourses, and there were different students who would write it down. So you have the same discourse in different versions. So the Altarebbe's son wrote down the maimer, and he also explains it. So he has an expression, he says, he says, there are other beautiful instruments, like a lyre and a harp, and the music is so much more sweet and elegant and appealing than the sound that comes out of the ram's horn. So if you really want to give me a musical experience, which is always beautiful, the explanation in this is the sound that comes from the shoifer, we all know, has a simplicity to it. It doesn't have the musical uh, sophistication Eloquence, appeal, beauty, exquisiteness, splendidness, like the, like the sounds that come from other musical instruments. Every musical instrument, a person sits and plays the piano, or a person is playing the violin or the cello or the harp or the guitar. There's a certain nuanced... Uh, vibe that emerges from the musical instrument. The shoifer that the Rebbe calls kail poshet. It has a simplicity to it. <laughs> you wouldn't call it a beautiful instrument. Generally beauty we associate with harmony. But this is a simple sound. Do, 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 do Even if you make it a little nuanced. He says, O al There's something else about it. It casts an awe. Shulkol harada. It's a sound that creates a tremble. Kamei Kosov. The Navi says famously, "Im yitaka ear lo The Prophet Amos, in chapter three, he says, if somebody blows a shayfer in the city, will the nation not tremble?" Because. The Shoifa doesn't create a sense of, of sweetness and beauty that pulls you in, that you melt in ecstasy. It's like a, an alarm. <laughs> sounding a fire alarm or sounding some intense alarm that creates a hara, that creates a, a tremble, a shudder. Indeed. In this week's and parash, parsha's Yisrael, I said it earlier, chapter 19, verse 16 the Titus says, <speaking in Hebrew> There was a shudder, the nation shuddered from the sound of the shayf. So usually, sounds create what you would call a sense of tainug. The sounds, the voices that resonate from a beautiful human voice or from a beautiful instrument it creates a tainug, a sense of pleasure, serenity, calmness. Those of you who are, who are uh, sensitive to music and love music, you know, right, it's extremely calming. I don't think your first choice is going to be, <laughs> blow, blow me the shoifer so I can calm down. Achal and and yet it's also called shoifer. The word shoifer is interesting. What does Scheifer mean? So one of these different explanations, but one of them is, al-shem shapru ma'aseichem. This is in Medrash. Rabbi Parshas Emmer Vayikra Rabbi Parshas Chavtes. Chazal say the word shoifer is associated with the word shapru sechem, which means enhance your actions, enhance your behaviors. Shuhu amam shechtaynog. The word shapru is to add enhancement, splendidness to your actions. Shapru to make it to make it better, to elevate it, to enhance it, to inspire it. Your actions are fine, but you want to add more. Shua mamshik tainug To add pleasure to your actions. Because shafru, because also we have it in Gemara, Shufru the Yakov, Main Shufru the Adamarishan, right? The the beauty. Then had the beauty of Yaakov was like the beauty of Adam. So when the Chazal say that Shofar comes with work it means to beautify your actions, to make them more appealing, more synchronized, more harmon- harmonious, more splendid. Shufra the Shufra, the beauty of the beauty in Aramaic, Shufra Shofar is beauty, which is associated with Tainug, with pleasure. So we have here a paradox. On one hand, you said the shofar is the antithesis of pleasure and the antithesis of beauty. We don't associate it with other musical instruments that create such a feeling. On the other hand, the very name of shofar is associated with beauty and pleasure and harmony. And generally, pleasure is associated with harmony and beauty. What's the, how do we understand this? So Terebbe says something very interesting. And actually the shoifer is the instrument that causes the creation of pleasure. Because shoifer is associated with that which is the source of tanugim. It's the source of pleasure. The shoifer itself doesn't feel like an instrument of tainuk, of pleasure, of delight. As he said, the opposite. The sounds are very simple and straight and direct and blunt and dense and tense. It creates a sense of awe and dread. But the reason for this is, (laughs) not because it's not associated with pleasure, it's associated with the source of tanuga, with the source of pleasures. It's associated with the mucker, with the source of all of them. So therefore, it's not filtered into a particular instrument of pleasure. It's the maker ha It's the progenitor of the tanogim. And in the progenitor, you don't always have explicitly articulated the detailed manifestations of something. Sometimes when something is in its source, because it's so powerful, it can't be experienced as such, later it will be filtered and condensed into restricted revelations and manifestations, and then you'll feel the tainug. you'll feel the pleasure. Scheufer is associated with Tainung in its very name, Shapru, but it's the source of the beauty. It's the source of the delight. It's the source of the ecstasy. It doesn't capture it in a particular, it doesn't capture a particular venue, an element of the ecstasy, and therefore Scheufer, on one hand, doesn't seem like to be a regular musical instrument, which is just delightful and a pleasure to listen to. I don't know anybody that says, such a pleasure to listen to the shoifa, I'm going to have the shoifa playing at my son's bar mitzvah or at my daughter's wedding or at the next concert. There's a story that in Spain, during the Inquisition, 1492, hey, I love from base. all the Jews were expelled from Spain, as you know by Ferdinand and Isabella, the king and the queen. Turcomodei, then uh, led the horrific uh, Catholic, uh, Catholic Inquisition. And many Jews remained in Spain. They called them the Anusim, right? They had a different name for them, which is uh, inappropriate to say. But their, their name for them was the Muranos, which, of course, meant something else. But in Jewish literature, they're called the Anusim. Uh, they were forced to convert. And uh, they say that they were Jews... Who were part of the Spanish symphony at the time. And they had a concert that they called on Rosh Hashanah. And they put the shofar into one of the musical, into one of into the arrangement of the symphony so that the Jews there could hear the shofar and Rosh Hashanah. I found that very moving. Ah. They didn't want to give up on shofar. There was one of the chief rabbis of Israel. I heard this from him directly. And he told me that he was, uh, he, ta- he was speaking, and I happened to be, that was Demasi. And he said that he met uh, the king of Spain, and he gave him a shaifer. And the king said, Why are you giving me a shaifer? And he said, 500 years ago, we had to sneak this in into the arrangements of the symphony, the musical arrangement of the symphony, so the Jews who had to make believe they're Christians can hear the shaifer in Rosh Hashanah. But now in Spain, you allow freedom of religion, and therefore, We could blow the shoifer with pride and with dignity, without shame and without fear of torture and death. So this is what I want to give you as appreciation for the evolution of Spain and so many other countries. It was very moving. The king was moved. So shoifer, he says, it brings down the Tainuk. It creates the Tainuk. In fact, in the Memoriam of the Alter Rebbe on Rosh Hashanah, he explains that Rosh Hashanah is the time That we, so to speak, trigger and arouse God's pleasure in existence. It's not the time when there is pleasure that has to be revealed. We have to create the pleasure. In other words, we have to go to the source of the Taino, to the source of it. Oh, if you want to go to the source of something, you have to go back to the beginning. Back to the beginning, you're not going to have it in its full glory and manifestation because that's only after it's filtered down. Now we'll understand why they needed a shei for Matan Torah. was a time about which the verse, the pasuk in Tehillim says, "Tehillim la Medvav, Ki With you is the source of life. We had to get in touch with the source of life, the source of all pleasures, not an individual pleasure that trickles down from the source. We had to go back to the source. For this, you need the Shefer, and that's why the Shefer was an an essential accompaniment to Matan Torah. This is just Al Rebbe laid out the foundation. Now he begins the explanation. Be it, Indians, that understand all of this, one has to understand the very concept of Matan Taira. What's the problem? Prior to the giving of the Torah, there were righteous people. There were prophets. And he gives three examples. You had Adam who was a tzaddik. You had Chanoich. You had Mesushalach. Furthermore, Our sages say at the end of Maseches Kedushin. And Yumadav Chavchas, Yumad 28, that Avram, just like Yitzchak and Yaakov, observed the entire Torah before it was given. The Torah alludes to this, and Parash has us where it says, God says, Avram observed my observances, my commandments, my statutes, my teachings, my lessons. Obviously, His observance of Torah and Mitzvahs was on a spiritual level. Because many of the mitzvahs could not be done physically at the time of Avram Avinu, right? We give tithing, maiseh, to a levi, to the Levites. There was no levi, levi in the time of Avram Avinu. So how did he do that mitzvah? We put on tefillin and we write the portions about the exodus of Egypt that happened only later. So Avram Avinu could do certain mitzvahs physically, for example, circumcision. The mitzvah of bris he could do physically, but most of the other mitzvahs, simply at a his, from a historical point of view, they couldn't be practiced physically. But every mitzvah has a spiritual message, a timeless internal message. It's a spiritual experience within the human soul, within the cosmos that Avraham Avinu observed. So the question that Alter Rebbe is asking is. What happened? What was the change that allowed to be, allowed there to be the giving of the Torah on a physical, concrete level? In other words, Dal Terebbe here is asking two questions. Why was Matan Torah at the time it was? Why wasn't it earlier? It happened 26 generations after Adam and Eve. Why? There were good people then, Be there were good people before, so you say not everybody can accept it. But then also not everybody accepted it. The Jewish people accepted it. So what happened at that point that God felt now I can give the Torah? What was wrong with Hanaych? M'shoshelach, nayach Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. None of them got the Torah. It had to wait so many generations. What's the reason for this? If it was a worthwhile endeavor, do it earlier. If not, why do it at this point? Then there's another detail. Our sages tell us that Avram did observe the whole terror, but it was spiritual. So why did that stop? Why did God say, you know what? We have to get it, we have to get it to another level. It has to now morph into something physical. What was the change? That God now says, Let me give the Torah in a physical way. <laughs> the explanation is the uniqueness of Avram Avinu is he uses here a posik, it seems like a technical posik, but it's anything but that. <laughs> Avram Avinu, the Torah says this is in Parshish Lech Lecha It speaks about his journeys in the new land of Canaan. He continued to travel HaNegba, which is Negev, down Negev, which is down south. Avram Avinu came from Iraq, Turkey, Iraq. So he was traveling, literally, towards Bethel, towards Jerusalem. So he was traveling HaNegba down to the Negev, down south. Ultimately, he would move to Be'er Sheva. But there's a spiritual idea here. He was always traveling HaNegba. In Kabbalah, Negba, the Negev, the south, is associated with chesed, with love. And the reason is because we begin with Mizrach, the east, from where the sun comes up. And the right of that is Dorim, the south. The left of that is Tzofan, which is the north. So it says in Zohar that the right side is always associated with chesed, with kindness, with benevolence. The left side is associated with discipline, strength, severity, so Tsaf in the north is associated with Gvura, And Darim, the Negev, the south is associated with Chesed. So the Alter says the spiritual meaning of the Pasuk is ha-negba. Avram was constantly traveling towards Negev. He became a conduit. Merkava is a chariot, which is a conduit. It's like your wagon, your chariot, your horse, which carries you. And a good horse has a very close relationship with the rider of the horse because the horse expresses and becomes a manifestation of the zeitgeist and of the desire of the rider. You know, real horseback riding is, is this deep kinship because horses are very sensitive to the person who's riding on the horse. So Merkava represents the horse or the wagon, the chariot. It becomes a conduit for you. Ramavino becomes a conduit for God's love, a conduit for God's compassion. You know, we always talk about being an ambassador of of God's love, being an ambassador of love, light, and hope. You've heard that before. So Avraham this is the concept, he's always traveling towards this place. But it's a journey. You don't just become a conduit one day. We grow into it. You're always traveling. Even Avraham it's not like you're born perfect. That doesn't exist. We're always on a journey. It's a beautiful idea. Halach You're always on a journey towards where? But you need a destination. Destination is Hanegba. Until he becomes a complete, seamless conduit. There's a seamless flow between the energy of love and Avramavinu's very presence, Avraham body, Avraham mind, Avraham soul. And he says the words are halach v'nasayah. There's always a flux. Halach Vinasaya. There is going and there's coming back. What is this? This is the concept of ratzoy and shoiv. Halach is the concept of going, as we will see. Like ratzoy, which means yearning, longing, running. And asoya is shoiv, is returning. The expression ratzoy and shoiv, is a very famous expression in Kabbalah and says It comes from Ezekiel's vision. No one has Maisim or Kava. Yecheskel in chapter 1, verse 4 says, The angelic beings are running and returning. They're longing, they're yearning, they're aspiring. Ratzah comes from the word have heavy ruts, you should run. Or also from the word rutsain, desire, aspiration, a longing, a yearning, a pining. Shov. It's like Lashuv, to return, to come back, to relax. And this is the flux. It represents the rhythm of life that is always defined by tension and resolution. And the tension here is not a bad tension. Tension here is not a tension of of anxiety and, and, and despondency and confusion. The tension is a tension of wanting to move, ambition, aspiring, realizing what is beyond me and therefore triggering a sense of Ratzi, a yearning. And then there's shuv, there's embracing what I have. This duality is essential to the rhythm of life, right? As the Alter explains in some of his discourses, our very, the very beat of life, the heartbeat is based on ratzay v'shoiv. There's the expansiveness, the expansion of the heart, and then the retraction of the heart. The same is true with our breath, the breath of life. Right? There's Ratzay and there's Shuv. The person inhales, the person exhales. So Ratzay and Shuv are not small things. It represents the rhythm of life. There is a rhythm and there is a flux of Ratzay and Shuv. And life is always about embracing those two states of mind. There's a state in which I feel contracted, which of course allows the blood to be released from the left ventricle of the heart and carry all of the nutrients and oxygen to the blood around the entire body. And then there's expansiveness. The same is true with the breath of life. same is true spiritually. So the Alter Rebbe says as follows. If you could put yourself on mute because there's some commotion coming from, uh, from the Zoom, we would appreciate it. I would do it on mute, but if somebody wants to ask, I don't mind if people ask. But if you could just put yourself on mute, you mute, thank you. So the Alter says as follows. By the angels of the chariot, the expression is Achayis Ratsoy V'shoiv. Avram was beyond them. Avram is deeper. So there, the expression is Halach V'Nasoyah. <laughs> Ratsoy V'shoiv and Halach. is on a lower level and Halach V'Nasoyah is on a higher level. Halach is ratzai. What's the concept of Ratzav What is it? Says the Alter Rebbe, the Possek famously says this is a verse in Job chapter 25, E of Perik Hafei. We say it every day, a few times a day. God creates peace among his heights Bimiraimov, right? We say after davening, oisah shalom b'mirayimav. Hu yaser shalom aleinu valkal Yisro. But where does he make peace b'mirayimav? Mirayimav. The word maray means heights, elevated spaces. So Chazal say the Medrash, Rabbi says in Sheshirim, sheyesh eish u'mayim ve'namayim God said the Medrash says God has different angels. He has the angel of fire and the angel of water. Malach Michal is water. Malach Gavriel is fire. Sarshal Mayim, the spiritual guardian of fire. Spiritual guardian of water. Usually they should be conflicted with each other. Fire and water don't make peace easily. Either the fire dries out the water. Evaporates in the fire. Or the water extinguishes the flames. They can't live together. Comes the meditation and says, <speaking> in, <Hebrew> in God's height there's In God's height there's and the water does not extinguish the flame. The flame is intact, the fire is intact, and the water is intact. what does this mean? What does it mean in God's heights? There's fire and there's water. And that the water essentially would have extinguished the fire and God has to come and make peace. Obviously, these are metaphoric ideas. What's this idea? There's water and now fire, and the water is a threat to the fire, but Hashem has does something special. Isa Shalom, he makes peace. What is the idea? Obviously, the properties of, of physical fire and water are something that happen in our world, in our consciousness, in our reality. But yet, the Medrash seems to apply that this is relevant to Hashem's own inner transcendent domain. Isa Shalom, be in his heights, not just here. And the explanation is Fire and water represent Ratsuy and Shaif. Fire represents Ratsuy, yearning, longing, and water represents Shaif returning. You don't have to look far. Fire is always rising, and water is a liquid that's always looking for the lowest surface. It's always going to go to the lowest surface. Fire is always going to be rising. It says Dalti Kenoida, it's known. And when he says it's known, it means that this is discussed in various works in Jewish in, in Jewish mysticism. You have it in Jewish philosophy, Kabbalah, Kabalakhsidas. She It actually comes even from earlier. The element of fire is rooted in the heart. Shusham Hatsimayan Phinasu. That's the place of thirst, which we call ratza yearning. As we say, in Sefer Yitzira, the oldest Kabbalistic work, Sefer Yitzira, the first chapter, imratz lipcha, libcha, libcha daika. Sefer Yitzira says, if your heart is running, come back to oneness. We'll soon see what that means. imratz libcha, shuv echad or shuvla acher, different versions. But the expression is ratz libcha. If your heart is running, your heart is racing. This, The sense of thirst is felt vividly in a very visceral way, in the human heart. lipcha. person often feels that experience of, of tension, of, of craving, of yearning, of thirst, longing in my heart. What does this mean spiritually? So this is Esh. H is going to be Ratz. I'm here, but I want to go higher. Mayim water is going to be Shuv. It's going to be coming back returning the Gemara says water always descends to a lower place what does this mean in a person's life we need the balance in our bodies between fire and water, we need both you need the element of fire the element of fire is the element where there is tension, fire is never content, fire is never smug fire is never complacent you never tell the fire just stay in one place and don't move just relax, ground yourself. <laughs> That's not fire. You want me to be fire? <laughs> always licking the air, Always swaying. Always dancing. Almost, it looks like, as it says in Tanya chapter 19, it was just learned in the in the daily lessons of Tanya a few days ago, it looks like fire is always trying to kiss the heavens. You know? <laughs> right? This, this is the fire, fire. <speaking in Hebrew> fire. Right, It has to be a perpetual fire on the altar. Ayid is fire. 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 The Hes of Shalom. I once heard a story from the Rebbe. Such a beautiful story. I remember when he said it. it was partial Zohar. I think 88 or 89. And the Rebbe said a story about his, uh, his wife Zayda, the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, was Rabshalem, Kvayt Kedushas Admur Rabshalem Doiv Ber the fifth Rebbe in the dynasty of Chabad. He passed away in 1920, Pays Nissen. He had an older brother. His older brother they called Razo, Reb Zalman Aaron. Reb Zalman, Aaron. Reb Zalman, Aaron. Reb Zalman Aaron was a few years older than he. They grew up in the house of a Rebbe, they were grandchildren of the Tzemach Tzedek, the grandson of the Balatanya, and their father was Reb Shmuel, the Rebbe Reb Shmuel of Lubavitch, known as the Rebbe Maharash. He passed away very young, he was 48 or 49, and then his middle son, the Rashab, Reb Shalom Ber, succeeded him as the fifth Rebbe of Chabad. The Rebbe Maharash was the fourth, the Tzedek was the third, and the Rebbe Rashab was the fifth. So the Rebbe said that the Rebbe Rashab and his older brother, the Razor, you know how children play house. You copy mommy and tati, there's a tati, there's a mommy, there's an older sister, there's an older brother. And they were playing house. But what type of house were they playing? They were playing the house of a Rebbe and a Chassid. (laughs) So the Razor was the Rebbe and Rashab was the Chassid, the younger brother, and he comes to see the Rebbe to ask advice. So there's different stories of what happened. One of the stories that Rebbe said was that Ashab came into his brother, who's acting like a Tim Rebbe, and he says, I have a question. Vos is Ayid. What is a Jew? So his brother says, remember his brother was a little kid. They were both little kids. His brother says, Ayid is fire. A Jew is fire. So the Rebbe Ashab said, E'bazay favos so why when I touch you, don't I get burnt? If a Jew is fire and you're fire, so when I, you're a Jew, so when I touch you, I should get burnt He says <laughs> you're also a Jew, you're also fire when fire touches fire, it doesn't get burnt when something else touches fire, it gets burnt up in the fire when fire touches fire, it goes up in the fire. It sinks with the fire, becomes one with the previous fire. A Jew is fire. Fire touches fire, you don't get burnt. In relationships, if you're fire, (laughs) it's intense. But if you could find the fire inside of you, now you connect to the other fire. Ah, You enhance each other. Now you have a bigger flame, a stronger flame. But for this, you have to acknowledge that both of you are fire and you connect as fire. Then it's amazing. Then it's a very passionate relationship. If one is fire and the other one is water, now you have to know how to bring this relationship together. We'll see soon. So this is one element of Jewish life. It's called the fire of life. I you this fire. I wake up in the morning and I say, today is going to be a great day. A fiery day, a passionate day. I had a Zayd, his name was Reb Ger Paharat. He was a Chassid of the Tzermach tzedek, of the Leba Marash of the Leber Hashamp. He passed away, 1798, 1797. His name was Reb Ger Shember. My father was named after. Reb Ger Shember Pahara. they called him. And he used to say every night before he went to sleep, every night he would say the same words. Ah, tomorrow I have to wake up a completely different person. <laughs> but you said it last night. It's not relevant. Fire, that's fire. Margin duffman Overstein gor anander Morgan Duffman-Urstein-Gor-Anander. There's a Yid, a friend of mine, a climate. So he told me that once the Biel Khan was Fabrenging in Eichel Benachem in Borough Park. And he was already in his 80s. And uh, it was a long Fabrengen And the Fabrenging finished. And uh, everybody was leaving. And he says, you know, the mic was taken away, and he was standing there, and he hears Rabiel talking to himself. Like, talking to himself, he says, <laughs> 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 It's time to become a human being. But it's beautiful, it's so beautiful. It's, it's what a Jew is, it's what a Chassid is. <laughs> it's time to become a mensch. you 86 years old, you're 85 years old. If you didn't become a mensch till now, you can become a mensch at eighty-five. Maybe you should try to become a mensch earlier. It's not relevant. Of course, you have to be a mensch <laughs> when you're forty-five, and even when you're twenty-five, and some say even when you're fifteen, you have to be a mensch. And they used to say that when you're five, you shouldn't have to be a mensch. But the point is, when I'm eighty-five, I also have to be able to finish a fabregen and say <laughs> it's time to become a mensch. So that's the concept of esh rotsu. Wherever you are in life, there's always an appreciation of the infinite. And therefore, there's the longing to the deeper, to higher, to greater. That's one element. That's the element of fire that's rooted in the heart. The hearts, the heart. A beating heart is a heart that's not standstill. We all know in a hospital, when you look at the monitor and you see that the heart is straight, we know what that means, right? Chalilavachas means you have to call the Chevrokadesh. Spiritually, it's also true. The heart is in flux. Uh, there's a um, there's rhythm, there's a dynamic, there's movement. And now he gets in deeper into this. The expression in Zoya, Tikkuni Zoyar, Bina liba. it's actually those who say Pasach Eliyot, Friday, this is in Pasach Eliyot, the introduction of Tikkuni Zoyar. Bina is associated with the heart. The same bina. What, why bina? bina. Why Bina? Bina. Why? The person has to take it to heart and meditate on the truth, on the infinite truth of the insight of infinity. When he says Gdulas, he doesn't just mean great, that he's big, that he's muscular. It's not what he means, Gdulas. Gdulas here means the truth of it, the depth of it, the meaningfulness of it. Of Ein Sof Baruch it's the essence of reality. Shemayken, <laughs> who the name indicates what it is, Einly Sof Einly Tachlus, has no end and has no limit. In other words, it's everything and everywhere. Godliness vibrates in everything and everywhere. <laughs> As we say in the morning and davening from Tehillim, Kuf <laughs> Mem I'm sorry, Kuf Mem Ches. <laughs> ya Halalu Asheim Hashem Kinizgav Shemaylavade Choydo Yalaretz Veshamayim. Praise the name of Hashem because His name is exalted. Haidai, means His glory is on earth and His glory is on heaven. So the Altar Rebbe says, "Rak That which is articulated in heaven and earth is only a glimmer. Haidai is like a is like a ray of light, like a glimmer of light. It's a glimmer. That's what's articulated in heaven and earth. kolaylam, and we say in Ashrei, Tehillim Kuf Mem you're malchus is the malchus of all the worlds, meaning your kingship is the kingship of all the worlds. He explains, all of the worlds, their vitality, their existence, their very creation from nothingness to somethingness is something that comes from malchus. It's malchuscha. It's your quality of malchus of kingship that is malchus, that is the Malchus that pervades, that creates, that sustains, that gives existence and vivifies and gives vitality to all of the worlds. And Malchus essentially represents it's like a ray, it's a glimmer of light. Malchus represents the extension. Of the melech's name and renown to the other, it doesn't capture his essence. And he explains, I'm going to explain in a moment. Because Hashem essentially completely transcends any articulation that is defined by any world. He can't be articulated not as a mamali. Mali means something that fills everything, the engine of the world, and not even as soiviv, that which transcends. What comes in, what is articulated, is called malchus, 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 lama. This is all part of the meditation of the person that's creating the bina liba, the sembilibainu bina. What is this meditation? It's very, very deep. He says it here in concise words, but this it lends itself to quite a few shiurim, just these few lines. But I'm just going to summarize it brief, briefly. If you don't understand it fully, it's fine because a lot of these concepts, they grow on you and you understand them next time a little more. So don't worry. There's always rutsi. There's always more and more. So you don't have to feel bad if you don't capture everything in one time. When I read this every time, I learn something new, literally. I could learn the same aimer, and you always see something new, deeper and deeper and deeper. You're talking about infinity, ain't safe. <clears throat> Once heard from the Rebbe, it says that the man keep the Jews hungry. the man keep the Jews hungry. He says, why? God, God gave samon. So he said, because man represented f- bread from heaven. Bread from earth satiates you. Bread from heaven makes you hungry. Because there's always, you feel that there's more. Bread from earth satiates you. Lachim and Hashemai makes you hungry. The Rebbe said that that's one of the differences between learning Nigla and learning Chassidus. Because when you learn Nigla, it's more concrete. You feel like you could own it. So it satiates you. You went away with something. So when you learn Chassidus, there's a hunger because you feel that you touched Bligvul, Ain't safe, infinity. And if somebody gives me infinity, the more I have, the less I have. Because the more I have, the more I realize, the less I have. So there's a hunger. So that's the Ratz And that's the that he's talking about here. What does he say with Malchus Hamalchus That any way we define existence, you define existence as earth, you define existence as heaven, you define existence as physical, you define existence as spiritual. And the truth is, every day we define existence in more subtle and sophisticated ways. The journey of science and physics from thousands of years ago to this very day, is constantly discovering deeper definitions of existence. And those words are used very, very precisely. Deeper definitions of existence. They used to think that an atom is unsplittable. An atom is not divisible. They used to think that a cell is a pretty simple uh, simple entity. Today we know that what is contained in one cell is mind-staggering, dazzling brilliance. So the definitions of existence are always evolving based on our tools that continuously expand. But as, can, as they evolve, and as you define existence from an external perspective, from a more internal perspective, from under a telescope, from beneath a, t- a microscope, or t- from beneath a, 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 a microscope or a telescope, these are all articulations. ...of the divine energy, the way it's filtered and condensed and contracted... ...in a way that it should be able to assume all these definitions. And that's what's called in Chassidus (laughs) Ha'are alma. It's a glimmer, it's a ray. In other words, is it a true expression of Hashem? Yes, it's a genuine expression of Hashem. But does it capture the Creator? It doesn't capture the Creator. It's an articulation of His energy in a very restricted way... That works for my brain. And the truth is we're learning more and more about this and in everything in, in, in life. For example, if you take colors, we spoke about this quite a few times. What are colors? We say green and blue and red and black, whatever it is. But really colors are different frequencies of light, the way they're registered by our retina, by our eye and interpreted by our brain. There's certain colors I can't see, not because they don't exist, because simply I don't have the tools to interpret reality that way. All of reality is an interpretation based on our tools. Higher worlds have higher tools. Lower worlds have lower tools. Within each world itself, the ant has its tools. The bee, its tools. The elephant, its tools. The rhinoceros, its tools. Every insect, fish, mammal, bird... And Homo, and the human being has its tools. I have my tools. You have your tools. And based on those tools, we interpret reality. That is all malchus chamaalchus That's all the way Hashem allowed His infinite energy to be experienced and perceived and articulated by every single creature in every single world in every single state of consciousness, according to its tools. That's what he says. It's the way it's expanded, the way it's articulated in a way that the other defines it in a particular way. It's like when you see me, you have a definition of me, but it's not based on me, it's based on you. Our our judgment of other people. Even positive judgment is not based on them, it's based on us. I could see what I can see, what I can't see, I can't see. Even when I talk about myself, I talk about that, which I could see based on my tools. And with this you can go deeper and deeper. So he says, All the world is essentially malchus. What's malchus? A real leader doesn't get inner validation from leadership. It's not like if I don't get elected, I don't have value. If my self-esteem is based on the fact that I assume leadership of this country or this group, then everyone is in bad shape. Because then basically I need the people. And if I need the people, I won't be able to lead. I'm completely subservient to them. I'm scared of them. I'm needy of them. I need them for my validation. Real leadership is always about leadership. My validation is in space. Now I have to ask myself, what do the people really need? That's a very different question. So malchus is not that which defines the essence. The true essence of the leader is the essence of the leader. I may not know anything about it. Malchus is the way the leader impacts the people. The way they perceive him. And sometimes the greatest of leaders, they had a very, very intimate personal life that nobody knew about. Not because they were hiding it, but simply because their leadership was something that they did not need to fill their voids. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to be a leader. He was completely fine. The Baal said he didn't want to be. Why? Because that's not what he needed for his life. He was an internal person. He was happy to serve God the way he served God. When they do become leaders, it's because of the people. So they ask themselves, not what I need, but what do the people need? And then the question of life becomes... How can I be here for the people? And that's not the same question like, how can I be here for me? Like a mother says, what does my child need right now? What my child needs right now maybe is I should get down on the floor and play Monopoly. Or throw Frisbee. Or make a smoothie together. Or play a game. Or have a shmooz. Or go dancing. Or listen to music. Or take a walk. Or go build a snowman. Or a snowwoman. That's malchus. Malchus chama malchus. All I love him is based on malchus. What's malchus? Malchus is leadership. What is leadership? Leadership is ask not what the people can do for you, ask what you can do for the people. And what I can do for the people may mean that I step away completely from my own inner rich world and tune in to your needs. And for this, I have to filter myself and condense myself, restrict myself in a very good way, to be able to be there for you. Said, All of creation is that. It's articulating infinity in a way that is suitable for each creature, for each consciousness, for each world. This is the point he say. And therefore you can't define Hashem as mamalik kalaman. He is Mamale Kalalman, but that's Malchus. Even Sov of Kalalman, he transcends the world, he's above. That's also an articulation. Asher al when a person really becomes aware of this, what does this create? A constant rotsi. So there's always a longing. There's always a longing for more and more and more and deeper because we feel that as much as this is being articulated, there's so much more that's not being articulated. As amazing as this leader is, I want to get to know more, right? Sometimes you read a book from an author, right? And you will. I would love to see who this person is. And hopefully it's not disappointing very often when you meet the person, when you meet the author, you meet the politician, you meet the musician, you meet the composer. You know, it's not as impressive because sometimes the book is much better than the author, but sometimes it's the other way around. The book doesn't even get close to the author. So the lack of contentment comes from a very deep place. It comes from the soul being aware or sensing or detecting that there's so much more. So much more. The source. For therefore And that's why the Navi says the highest angelic beings are defined by this flux, ratzi shaiv yearning and returning. Because as they comprehend, as they detect, as they sense, the energy that is communicated to them from the holiness of infinity, which has no end and has no beginning. Again, this is an expression of Yecheskel previous posseg, is Ezekiel 1.14. This is from the previous verse. They are on fire. They are on fire. Like the countenance of the torches. There's a tremendous yearning. Because they sense, they sense that what's coming to them, the ray that's coming from them, comes from Ein soif, that which has no beginning and has no end, therefore it has no end. So there's this fire, ki misaleches bein hachios, hachayos. Again, this is an expression from Yecheskel there. What does it mean, He misaleches bein hachayos? He says the fire travels between the angels. What does this mean? Sha'chayos anim shechlem he misaleches, hi hi misaleches, tamad hubchines Al Terebus says here that the chayyas itself, the energy itself, walks, it travels between the angelic beings. The energy itself is mishalachis tamad, it's always in a state of flux. It's what Hashem told Chava. Your craving will perpetually be to your husband. But this is a metaphor. I want to really be able to be subsumed in the light of infinity, like the flame that just rises on its own. For this, you need real trust. When a wife really feels that her husband is completely there for her, to contain her, there's no greater feeling than the feeling of I can completely trust you and know that when I fall into your arms, I won't get hurt, I won't be dropped, I will be embraced. And each of us craves this experience. But I have to have trust. If I have no trust, then I create a bulletproof vest I will not melt away. (laughs) I'm going to completely remain in my space because I don't want to die. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be backstabbed. But this concept of Ratzay is that I want to be completely absorbed in the source this is the definition of existence you crave for your husband and this is a metaphor that al Rebbe says for I want to be subsumed in in the light of infinity like a flame that rises on its own this is halachas. the divine energy itself craves it that's why the Malachim always have this sense of Ratzi. they always have this sense And the ideas of ben halachas benachayis. What Alt is saying is, it seems, that because the divine energy is yearning to go back, it's like the ray of light, and it walks around between the chayes. All of them are impacted by that longing, by that craving. I don't want to be burdened by my existence, by the weight of my existence. I want to let go of that burden, and I want to be able to be embraced and subsumed. And forfeited in the existence of Ainsife. and it's expressed itself in human re- it's exp- it expresses itself in human relations one of those deepest emotions in an intimate relationship is that ability to be able to feel completely surrendered. but I have to be able to trust that you won't take advantage of me. I have to be able to trust that I'm going to be embraced I'm not going to be hurt or exploited. So that's why this is such a sensitive idea. That's why a lot of our longings are stifled, squashed, silenced, repressed, because expectations can only result in failure and heartbreak and heartache. I don't want it. But if you go back to the rhythm of life, where there's complete trust, where there's love, where there's compassion, Rotsi is essential to the process. Okay, we're going to take a break here. Del Rebbe now goes into Shuv. (laughs) Our friends from Pakistan writes, this year is the first time I heard Shofran Rosh Hashanah. Hearing it for the first time, I felt that the shoifer goes deeper into the system and stays there longer. In fact, it stays there for eternity. Other musical instruments are soothing. They're calming. The shoifer is enlightening. It awakens, at least for me. Something that is very, very deep. It awakens me in a very deep sense. Very deep. (laughs) That's what the Mimer says. Beautiful comments. I'm just reading the comments. Okay, beautiful comments here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to wish you all a beautiful day. You could review the Mimer and go ahead if you wish. And... uh, I actually have this mimer a little explained in Teir Eir Hamavor, in the Sefer, which is like an elucidated uh, form of some of the mimerum of -er Teir And wish you all a beautiful day, a day of Ratzay and a day of Shaiv, sending you my love and blessings, atzlacha, success and everything. Everything. (laughs) We may do it on Wednesday morning. I have to see the schedule because I want to, it's a long mimer, and I want to get to the end of it sooner than later. I mean, I want to be able to cover it. So we may do it Wednesday morning. So if you didn't do it yet, sign up to our WhatsApp or our email and you'll uh, be able to get the notices of the next classes. If you do, go to the yeshiva.net, connect to us. You could sign up for everything. So you get notices on WhatsApp or or whatever other venues you have. In the meantime, I wish you all a beautiful day. Thank you for coming. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes.